0: Luke fifteen eleven. Check this out. Then he said, he being Jesus, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and despair, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. he was lost and disfound and they began to be merry praise god by the help of the holy ghost i want to preach this simple thought to you this morning the man of the house the man of the house would you lift your hands and help me pray father we love you we honor you we're thankful for your presence in this place today he re de 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 shita yambuyo shata Lord, you're in this place, such a strong manifestation of your presence. I release the gift of faith. Help us, O Lord God. Enlighten the eyes of our understanding. Let a spirit of wisdom and revelation rest on us today, God. Confirm your word with signs and wonders. Restore broken hearts, restore the weary, restore the call, restore the purpose in this place today, God. We'll give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. In the name of Jesus, would you clap your hands unto the Lord? If you love him, would you let him know it? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I love the word of the Lord, and I'm thankful for the word of the Lord. Does anybody love the word of the Lord? Amen. It is indeed a light. Until my. It's a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. I'm thankful for it. Uh, it, it guides me. It sustains me. Yet, I don't know, uh, I'm an American, and uh, I'm slowly becoming more acquainted and familiar with uh, Canadian culture. As a matter of fact, Bishop Woodward was with us not too terribly long ago, and he said, I think you have it down pat. You've apologized five times. In, in the last hour or so and half that, you know, that you weren't responsible for any of it. So while I might be becoming a Canadian, there's some idioms and some colloquialisms in American culture that may or may, you may or may not be familiar with uh, that have somehow woven itself into, uh, I'll call it uh, Americana uh, Christianity, if you will. Maybe it's not North American Christianity, uh, but there are certain idioms that maybe derive from a semblance or a scriptural principle, uh, but it's, it's things like, uh, I'll give you an example. You've heard people say, uh, cleanliness is next to godliness. And they say, you know, that's what the Bible says. And I'm like, no, 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 that, that's, that's not in the Bible. Or, you know, uh, uh, I remember uh, somebody was like, well, doesn't the Bible say an idle mind? the devil's workshop and I'm like "Ah, I don't I don't think that's in there either and if we're not careful we will find certain aspects of culture and uh Uh, Proverbs, if you will, not scriptural proverbs, but sayings that kind of have woven themselves into uh, what we believe to be our Christian construct and framework, and we need to make sure that we are rightly dividing the word of truth. That's why it's important we allow scripture to interpret scripture, and then that would mean that we should reasonably come to the same conclusion. Uh, But sometimes we'll get swept up uh, in uh, the euphoria of a moment and misapply something or miscontextualize something and we'll miss it. Uh, You hear people say, well, doesn't the Bible say, you know, uh, money is the root of all evil? No, no, no. The love, the love of money. We have these, and and if we're not careful, this is important because we, I don't know what Bible you all read, but, you know, sometimes I, I... when I read this, this if, if this played out cinematically, it would be braided X. Some of y'all looking like straight face, like, what Bible are you reading? What translation is that? I wonder, like, I know what we do for our kids, but, and I know we see the pictures, and I get, you know, the whole Noah's Ark and the flood, but everybody and all the animals look really happy. I don't know if that's how that really went down. <laughs> I think there was a lot of agonizing and, and weeping and wailing. Sometimes I wonder, I'm like, why, why do we sterilize this? Why do we sterilize this? And, why, and, and, and it's like we sterilize our lives. The interesting thing is this right here, this book is the truth. And I've got news for you. It tells the truth about people. Like, there were alcoholics in Scripture. Murderers. Y'all like, what? Some of y'all are opening your Bible right now. What? Murderers. You, 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 I... There are things like David, I know this sounds bad, but you just, this is true. David, a man after God's own heart, was, this man was a womanizer. They knew David was dying when they put a virgin in his bed and he did not respond. Read it. Some of y'all are like, I am leaving right now. This is not in the day. No, I'm telling. David plotted somebody's assassination. Saw it through. Now there's a there's a difference. Please don't. I mean, I could go down the list. David owned his sin, and that's important. That's a lot. That that. And I'm thankful for that. But when you read this, this tells the truth about people. But yet, for some reason, we believe as followers of Jesus Christ and disciples, that we have to sterilize our lives. But just like this, just like this, if this played out cinematically, and we would ask the younger audience, matter of fact, we wouldn't watch. But if we played your life up on that screen, some of y'all getting uncomfortable right now. Because we've been like, brother, elder did what? <laughs> Sister, so-and-so, who? We'd be shocked. Yet we come in and we lift our hands and, and we worship and we act like we've never done anything wrong. Lest you forget. Did Paul not say such were some of you? I don't know about you, but I'll never forget what he Pulled me out of. I'll never forget the dysfunction. And I'll I'll never forget the alcohol. And I'll never forget the sexual promiscuity he pulled me out of. I'll, I'll never forget contemplating suicide. And God calling me by name. I'll, I'll never forget what he did for me. And I don't have to be. I, some of us act too cute and too dignified and act like we came out of the womb speaking in tongues but i'm here to declare today that we serve a god uh, who will love an imperfect people who will clean you up and restore you and you can sterilize your story all you want but the only thing that can wash you clean is the blood of the, the blood that reaches From the highest mountain to the lowest valley can convert a drug addict and a high school dropout. It is the blood. And if you know what I'm talking about, you ought to give him praise today. Don't you ever get too cute? Don't you ever forget and allow spiritual amnesia to settle in on your life, honey? You better remember where he called you from. I remember, I remember. I don't ever want to forget. And for that, I give him praise. For that, I'll give him glory. For that, I'll clap my hands and I'll open up my mouth and I'll shout. Because if it had not been for a God whose love endures, a God who's rich in mercy, I wouldn't be here today. Yet, yet if we're not careful, we'll come in and we'll be real professional. Praise God. And when unprofessional people show up, we don't know how to act. Professional people, you got to be careful with professional people. Because professional people, they know when to clap. They look good when they praise. I ain't never seen people look good when they praise. If it's like sincere and authentic. Like, but the, the perfect, and I'm like, how do they do it? Me, glasses like this, and snot hanging out my nose, and, and I look, and they're like, we'll be professional, and professional, if we're not careful, professionalism kind of opens up the door to religious, religiosity. And religious people, I'm not saying anybody here would do this, but religious people are interesting people. Religious people act like they ain't never done anything in their life. Religious people be like, well, Lord, you're so good. I just, I don't understand. I don't understand why they lie. I could never do that. I don't understand how they could miss one Sunday. God, you've been so good. I just, they're struggling with pornography. I don't even think about, no. I'm so grossed out. That's religious people. And religious people, if you're not careful, they'll look at others that are struggling. And you know what? they just kind of like... Let me get away from you. When the Bible says, you who are spiritual, see, religious people are carnal. But spiritual people, he says, you who are spiritual, restore one another in a spirit of meekness with gentleness. What's interesting, people that are are broken, that are unprofessional, and, and they have an encounter with God or they're desperate for God, they don't know how to be professional. They'll just clap their hands and they'll cry. And there's this one guy who was just beating his chest. And he's like, God, help me have mercy on me. And Jesus says, who do you think was justified? The religious man who claimed to never have anything had this piety in him. Or yet the broken man. Can I just tell you, God is near to the broken. He's near to the broken. Don't ever get too cute. Don't ever get too cute. You got to be careful because if you allow religiosity to creep in, we're in trouble. But I'm thankful to be a part of a church uh, that's safe. I'm thankful to be a part of a church there where we love people no matter where they are. I'm thankful to be a part of a church because this gospel works. Amen. Jesus Christ changes lives. Praise God. And I don't care where you're on the political spectrum. I don't care where you are with your ideology. I want you to know Jesus Christ saves to the utmost. So we have to be careful because you see religious people in scripture. There was this group of people who had it together all the time, Pastor Jack. You just look at him. You're like, man, he just, they look like they're floating. It was the Pharisees. If you saw the Pharisees and they saw you, they just start praying. And the people thought, how is it that they pray all the time? Every time I see them, they pray it. You would show up and you would see homeless people. And if the Pharisees saw you looking at them, they go, oh, come on. Let me encourage you. And they And every time they looked, those religious people were always doing something, looking religious. Well, these religious people and Jesus did not vibe. Can you believe that? Who does Jesus think he is? He didn't vibe with the religious people and they didn't vibe with him. This is crazy. So Jesus is so long suffering, he is so kind. They actually said in one translation, the New Living Translation, they asked them. they said, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Because they could never, Jesus would go to people's houses like Zacchaeus, who like stole from people, and he just wanted to get a peek and Zacchaeus is in the tree. He's, and Jesus shows up and is like, yo, we'll party at your house. And Zacchaeus is like, what? My house? He was so excited that Jesus, because none, none of the religious people would come. He was so excited that Jesus was going to come to his house. Do you know what he did? He invited everybody he knew. And do you know what happened? He was so moved. He said, Lord, whatever I got. to He said, "I'm, I'm going to repay four times what I stole. And the salvation came to that house. This is the kind of stuff that Jesus does. He shows up and deals with the unusual suspects. The least likely. But this is where it gets crazy. The religious people were always trying to catch Jesus. Y'all know those religious people. They say, you know, they don't go here now. They don't go here now. But they're the ones that are like, oh my gosh, is that so-and-so over there in the corner of the store? uh, Let me just get my phone out. (laughs) Pastor, oh my gosh, you won't believe what I'm seeing right now. And then you just... That's, that's what these Pharisees would do. Jesus is walking with his, his followers and one of them just grabs a little bit of corn and they're like, man, Jesus, this is good, but man shall not live by bread alone. I'm just going to eat a little something. And they jump out of the field, the Pharisees. And they're like, oh, we got you. We got you. You're working on the Sabbath. And Jesus is like, He's like, oh, God, he said, you, he said, do you remember the story about David and the showbread? And he's beginning to explain all this. He's, he's basically telling them because they, they knew it all. And he's like, you don't get it. And so we get to this point. It's like this climactic, like you can just see, it's like a collision. They're getting tired of Jesus. He would heal people in the synagogue. That's like in church. And they would be like, they would be mad that people were getting healed. Instead of rejoicing and celebrating and giving God glory, they're mad that somebody got healed. And they come to a conclusion, that's what these religious folks do. They come to a conclusion that the only thing that will satisfy them is Jesus' extinction. And Jesus knows where this is headed, so he's done playing games. He's just like, look, you know what? Y'all know Jonah? Y'all, y'all. They're like, yeah, we know Jonah. What about Jonah? And well, he was like, you know, Jonah preached and Nineveh. It's like all of Fredericton, New Brunswick. How many people we have here? 750,000? All, everybody, young and old, repenting. Getting right with God. That's what Jonah did. Can you imagine all of the province? And Jesus looks at them and says, behold, a greater than Jonah is here. What I want you to understand is Jesus has kind of drawn the line. Jesus is drawn the line and he's no longer playing any games. I, I kind of just want to encourage somebody for a moment. At some point, you got to draw the line in the sand and just say, you know what? I'm done playing games. I'm done with allowing the enemy to, to run roughshod in my house and in my family. I'm going to draw my line. I'm going to stand my, stand my ground. Ten toes down and let the enemy know the Lord rebuke you. There's a purpose on my life. There's a purpose on my children's life. I'm not going to let you just come in here and wreak havoc. But the Lord is my defense. He's my protector. He's my shield. I'm going to pray. I'm going to worship. I'm going to fast. I'm going to shout. I'm going to scream. But I'm going to do whatever I have to do to get a breakthrough. I'm not here to play games anymore. I'm done playing games. I need him. We got to be careful that we don't play games. Let me just preach to the men for a moment. Let me just encourage you men and especially dads. Can I tell you, now is not the time for us to lay back and chill. Now is the time for us to love and to be patient and to be kind and to be gentle with our family. Now is the time for us to gather them in and to pray some more and to have devotions. Now is the time for us to draw the line and say, hey, we can't watch that right now. We don't need time for it. We can't read. We can't listen. Now is not the time to be playing games. The enemy is not playing games with your baby. He is coming after your children with everything that he has. Sorry. <sighs> I get a little excited. He looked at me. He was like, <laughs> me? <laughs> no. The enemy is not playing games. And if we sit back and watch, if we sit back and be relaxed, he will come in and pillage your purpose. He'll pillage your families. But I believe I'm looking at a group of men. We'll say I've drawn the line. No, 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 no. The generational curses and dysfunction in the habits are being broken now. Let me just tell you, man, it is not effeminate to praise the Lord. Ain't nothing wrong with clapping your hands and jumping up and down. Ain't nothing wrong with spinning and giving God glory. I'm telling you right now, ain't nothing wrong with running. Ain't nothing wrong with crying in the presence of the Lord. Lifting your hands, lift up your hands. Lift up your heads, over you gates. And lift him up and bless his holy name. Ain't nothing wrong with a group of men that know how to praise him and bless I'm going to lean on this for just a moment, but there's something about a group of people that know how to praise the Lord. See, David didn't know how to handle the presence of the Lord for a little bit. You all remember this, David went and touched the cart, the cart, excuse me, the Ark of the Covenant that was falling off the cart, and he died. And David was furious. So they leave the Ark of the Covenant, and Obadiah's house, Obadiah's house is blessed. I mean, blessed David's like, hold up, wait one minute. This man is being blessed and supernatural things are happening. And that's what happens when you know how to handle the presence of the Lord. So David goes back and he begins to read and to study. And then he understands we need to get these long staves. And they get these long staves. And he finds some consecrated men who know how to usher in the presence of the Lord. And they put that on the back or on or their shoulders, these staves. And they begin to take steps. And David recognizes that they're going to stop every six steps and give God praise not only they're going to give God praise they're going to offer a sacrifice as they're going to the city of their God and as they're doing that you got to understand why David was so excited and then he got there because he looked back as he was getting close to the city of his God and he saw a trail of blood it ain't nothing but the blood that you and I are here today. And when he began to think of the goodness of God, and he began to think of the faithfulness of God, and how God has provided and pardoned and sustained and guided and washed away, I'm telling you, when you look back and you think of the goodness of Jesus, you can't help but give him praise. You can't help but shout, and you can't help but dance, and you can't help but run. You can't help but give him glory because you know it was nothing but the blood. If you believe that, give him praise. If you believe that, give him glory. If you believe that, give him honor. If you believe it, my God. I need somebody to bless his holy name because it's only the blood that still works as to why we're here. The blood, the blood, the blood. High five your neighbor, tell him it's the blood. High five your neighbor, tell him it's the blood. Come on, I know it was the blood for me. Woo. Come on, it's the blood that still works. So, it's the blood that covers imperfect people. This is is where we get off because religious people kind of get, they kind of, they go in a direction with things that can become legalistic and bondage. That's what the Pharisees did. The Pharisees were really good at adding to stuff and we have that nature and so here they go can I just tell you when Jesus shows up you know he shows up he's near to the broken hearted but did you know religious people show up too now they will show up uninvited too he'd be in the house and the house is packed and then the religious people looking through the window and so they start interrupting the party And the Lord, you can read about it. This is what happens in Luke 15. He turns. It's like, you know, y'all excuse me for a second. I got to talk to these religious folk. So he turns and he's talking directly to them. Luke 15 is a sermon to the Pharisees. Exactly who he's talking to. And when you understand it in this context, this is when it gets crazy. Watch what he does. In Luke 15:1, he begins to tell a story about a shepherd who had sheep. Now, this is crazy because this occupation was not an esteemed occupation in the eyes of the Pharisees. As a matter of fact, they had a strong disdain for shepherds. They did not think highly of them. So when he begins to look them in the eye and tell them about a shepherd, they're not happy. Matter of fact, they feel insulted. While they're feeling insulted, he tells them that, you know what, there was this shepherd who had a 100 sheep and uh, one of them got away. And this shepherd was so convinced that he had to have the one that got away, he went after him. He said, I know I've got 99, but there's one that's missing and I've got to have the one, otherwise I don't have all and I need all and I've got to have all of my sheep and he leaves the ninety nine and go and goes to find the one and as he goes to find the one I'm thankful don't you ever get a twist let me just tell you right now and I, I'm not gonna pick up I gotta pick up the pace I feel too comfortable praise God <laughs> I gotta hurry up praise the Lord y'all won't ever have me back so um, check this out he 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 as, as he says hey. You know what? The shepherd, he finds the sheep. But can I tell you, God goes out and finds us. Not that he doesn't know where we are, but God comes to us. You're here today, yes, but you're here today. So much so, let me say it this way The Bible says that the goodness of God brings us to repentance. You know what some of us think? We're like, oh man, I just got to get right with the Lord. That ain't true. That ain't your goodness. That ain't your holiness. That's the goodness of God that has even got you thinking about repentance. We're not capable of repenting on our own. It's God's goodness that leads us to repentance. So, God, right now, some of you are in this place thinking, man, I got to get right with God. I, I'm thirsty for the Lord. I'm not where I need to be. And that's the goodness. Of God. So this happens, and he goes and he finds the one sheep and he rejoices. And then he goes and he tells a story about a woman who had this dowry and she lost part of it and she tore the house upside down. Now he's these people are hot because he's gone from shepherds to women. Jesus didn't see it this way, but they viewed women in that time in particular is less than a citizen. They, they frankly viewed them as incubators. That's how, and so for, for Jesus to go from a shepherd to a woman, they are incensed. The woman finds the peace that's missing and she's happy and rejoicing. and Jesus tell, telling the story. And then we get to a story that we all refer to as the prodigal son, the story about the prodigal son. The reason why this is important is because this is a miscontextualization of the story. If you look at Luke fifteen eleven, that is really good. Oh, oh, this is there on the screen there. I thought they had it on the screen back there. I was like, wow, they have it on the screen there. So I was like, these guys are good. Let's show them Luke fifteen eleven. I was like, this guy. I didn't even give him any notes. And I was like, this man has got Luke 15, 11 up already. I was like, give it up for the media team. Praise God. And look, it was probably on the side screens and I didn't know it. We have one screen at Extraordinary Church. Y'all pray for us. We we, We need three in Jesus' name. It's coming in Jesus' name. So check this out. I'm a wannabe grammarian, okay? I thought I was going to go to school and... Uh, Instead, I ended up studying uh, business administration, but I thought I was going to study English literature. Love to read and love to teach. If you look at this, then he said, a certain man had two sons. Who is the subject of this sentence? The man. The man. It's not about the sons. A certain man. Let me help you out right now. Okay, I'm going to help somebody. This can set you free. It's not about you. It's about him. It's about It's not about you. It's, about, it's not about your education. It's not about your boo or your bae. It's not about your finances. It's not about who your mom and daddy is or who your grandmama was. It's about him. Watch this. So, this prodigal, if you look it up, you can look this up. Y'all can fact check me. You can Google this. You can, oh my God, you can even chat GPT this. Some of y'all doing it right now. You could wait till after church too. Praise God. But if you look up the word prodigal, it means in excess or excessive. Wasteful, reckless. This is not about the son. This is about a father whose love is so vast and expansive and inclusive and so far reaching that we would call it excessive we would call it reckless we would call it wasteful it is about a God who is so in love with you you need to understand the value you have in his eyes not in the eyes of this world not in the eyes of our enemy not in the eyes of your peers but in the eyes of your heavenly father you need to know you have value you might be short and portly. you might be tall and awkward but you have value in the eyes of God and no matter what you've been through, no matter the hurts and the hangups they don't diminish the value you have to God quit listening to the lies of the enemy the fact that you messed up the fact that you sinned last night or last week doesn't mean you don't have value, you matter to him you matter to him and once you understand you matter to him Changes everything. Now, this is interesting because I want to give you context, and context is important. He has two sons, and one of his kids, one of his kids goes up to him. I got to back up, sorry. Because if you sit sit on the front row of Extraordinary Church, enter the splash zone. And y'all like, I did not ask for that. This is CCC, praise God. All right, here we go. Everybody should be safe now. This certain son of the two does something interesting. He says, Dad, I know you, this is the Akil Thompson authorized translation. He says, I know you've been working real hard. And uh, I want your livelihood. Uh, Now, If I, this is the Keel Thompson authorized translation. If that were me and my beloved son, I'm imagining this because he would never do this. But if he said to me he wanted my livelihood, because I'm tripping like my kids. He's like, oh, um, you know, I'm going I'm going to my room. I'm like your room. I'm like, my bad. You talking like you pay the you like, you pay the mortgage here. I was like, this is my room. I was like, every room in this house is mine. I was like, you don't have one. You, you are borrowing this. You are, that food in the refrigerator is mine. Because he, he'll open up. Y'all got kids. He'll open up. Where, where's the food? Like, I'm like, you talking like you... You pay the grocery bill. No, I'm just kidding. He's a sweet kid. I got two amazing kids. So if he came to me and said, you know what, Dad? I want my live blood, I'd be like. Hey. The Thompson household runs a little different. Praise God. So. He would never do that. But this guy comes to his dad and says, you know what? Give me this stuff. I don't want you. I want the stuff. And the only way way I'm going to get an inheritance, when do people get an inheritance? So in other words, he was saying, I want you dead. That's how much I value you. I value the stuff more than I value you. Give it to me. And do you know what this dad does? He gives him the stuff. Because it's never about the stuff with the Lord, he wants our heart. The stuff. It's like, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all that stuff will be added unto you. You don't even got to worry about it. Just give me your heart, everything else, all the stuff, you can have it. I'll give it to you a hundred times fold in this life and the life to come. I'll give you everything that you need that pertains to life and godliness. You can have the stuff. I'll take care of everything. He's a good, good father. The stuff is not important. He was like, look, do you see the lily? Do you look at the, the, look at the field. Look at the flowers of the field. Look at how they're dressed. He was like, have you ever seen a bird looking hungry? I don't know about you all, but I ain't never seen a bird looking jacked up. They're just looking plump and like just, he's like, look at how I take care of them. How much more will I take care of you? So it's not about the stuff. He wants our hearts. So he says, take the stuff. Now, the reason why he has to say take the stuff is because this is an agrarian culture. This is not Bitcoin. This is not e-transfer. This is not like, yes, give give me your email, son. There you go. No. He's like, take this wheat. Take these olives. Take this cattle. And then if he has all of these assets, what do you think the son has to do? He's got to sell it. He's got to liquidate it. But people understand what's happening in this culture. So do you think it's easy for him to sell this stuff? No. As a matter of fact, when he shows up at the house, At somebody else's house. Hey, man, I've got all this cattle and livestock, and I've I've, I've got olives, and I've got grapes, and I've got uh, figs, and I've got all this stuff. And they're like, where did you get the stuff? They're like, oh, my goodness. Is your father okay? And they're like, "Uh," and he's like, "Uh, yeah, yeah. And he's like, well, how did you get the stuff? And he's trying to fumble away and explain. And the neighbors are probably like, I can't believe this dude. I want nothing to do with him. They're ready to, they, that Akil Thompson spirit will come on. And then they like, get out of here. This just disgusts me. And then he says, well, you know what? I'll give it to you at such a discount. He doesn't even value the stuff. He liquidates it. And then do you know what he does? This is why he has to travel to a far country. Because nobody wants him. He done left the father and the house. He done left the community. And he goes out, spins it all, making it rain. All wilding out, doing God knows what. And we have all been there. One honest yeah. We have all, I'm going to look at everybody, even Pastor Jack. Some of y'all are like, no. We have all been there. As a matter of fact, we've been there and wondered how we got there. Wondered how did it get to this place. I never thought I would get to this place. This is not what I meant. This is not what I wanted. This is not what I intended. How did I get so far from home? How did I get so far from the father? How did I get so far from my family? How did I get so far from my friends? How do I find myself in a foreign place? I don't even feel right. here. I don't know what I've done. I've spent it all times. I've gotten hard. I've got nowhere to go. And when you think you've got nowhere to go, you begin to search. You try to link up with people and you try to see if you can find solace. And this is exactly what this guy did. And here's what people would do back then if they didn't want you around. Oh, my bad. I didn't realize. Okay. He tried to take photos. He was like, you, you, you're messing things up, sir. I just I'm doing really good at messing things up. So. He does something. Here's what they would do when they want to get rid of people. See, today, we have really courageous thumbs. Like, we'll tell people what we think on social media. But we will not tell you to your face. So, boy, people are super courageous with the keyboard. But back then, they wouldn't tell you to your face. Here's what they would do. They would offer you a job that would insult you so much so that they knew you wouldn't take it. So what did they offer this Israelite? An opportunity to work with pigs. He'll never do that. And what wouldn't you know it? He did it. Can you believe that? Have you ever been there where you're like I'll, I'll never do that. And you find yourself doing that very thing. But here's what's cool. The Bible says he come, he came to himself. I wonder, wouldn't it be nice to know when we come to ourselves? Wouldn't it be nice to know when your kids come into to themselves? When, did, when does that happen? Does that happen at 12, 18, 25? Some some of y'all are like 35. <laughs> Don't even look. Just look at me. Some of y'all looking like, ooh. when you you heard the preacher, when you coming to yourself? Like just just look at me. Praise God. Some of y'all staring a hole in the back of your kid's head. Just when you coming to yourself? <laughs> no 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 no. Just when do we come to ourselves? You know what's interesting? He comes to himself and he has a conversation with himself. Now, can I tell you, this conversation is interesting because he thinks he can bargain with the man of the house. So here's what he says. My God. He said, I'm eating this stuff. I'm with the swine. I'm smelling like pig feces. This is the worst. I've got to make this. uh, All right. I'm going to go to my father and say to my father, this is good. This is good. I have sinned. Against you and heaven. It's a good place to start. It's why the Bible says that all of heaven rejoices over one sinner who repents. You begin to orient or orientate your life around Jesus Christ. Things begin to change and heaven gets really excited. And we ought to get really excited too. I know we should celebrate people receiving the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and people being baptized in Jesus' name. But if we want what's happening in heaven to happen here in Fredericton, we ought to rejoice when one sinner repents. If we want the joy and the righteousness and the peace of heaven to be here in Fredericton, we ought to rejoice when one sinner repents. Because that means more of Fredericton is orientating their life around Jesus Christ. So, this is crazy. He says, you know what? I'm going to go to him and say, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Make me a hired servant. He's now got identity issues. And he thinks he can negotiate with God or the Father. You think you can negotiate with him. Can I tell you, you don't need, hear me, hear me. You don't need to lessen. There is no position. God is not positional. Let me show you how. Positional or positionless he is. The last gonna be first. Watch this, watch this. The greatest among you is a servant. What? It's not about position. As a matter of fact, he tells us in Ephesians that we're seated with him in heavenly places. So if it's under his feet, it's under your feet already. This ain't about position. You don't have to barter and you don't have to beg and you don't have to plead. This is crazy because he's thinking he can, you think you can come to God on your own terms, but watch this. I'm going to show you, you can't. So this is crazy. I just, so he begins to come to himself. And can you imagine this journey, first lady, this shame that he's feeling? Can can you imagine the courage it takes to put one foot in front of the other to begin to come home to tell your father you have messed up royally and you want to be a servant? Think about how difficult it is. To put one foot in front of the other. And he doesn't even realize it. It's the goodness of the father that's drawing him right now. Right at this very moment, there are people here and are watching online that are thinking this is the most difficult journey I've ever had to take in my life. And it is the goodness of God that is helping you put one foot in front of the other. It's the goodness of God while you haven't clicked off and you're still watching on Facebook or YouTube. It's the goodness of God that you're here right now in this place. And it's not over on your life because God is drawing you. It's the gravitational pull of his goodness. And here's what's happening. As he's getting closer to the man of the house, the community is like, is that man back? I know that can't be him. Look at him. Clothes tore up. Ain't got none on top. Ain't got no shoes on his feet. Struggling. Head down. He better not look at me because I got something for him. And as he's trying, this is why the church has got to be loving. You know how difficult it is for people to come through these doors? Can I tell you? They ain't here for the show. They ain't here because they got it all together. They ain't here because they can quote all 66 books. And No, no, no. They're here because they need God. And we don't have time to be throwing any shade. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Like We don't have time to be looking like y'all don't belong here. What we need to do is be like, come sit with me. I don't care if they smell. I don't care if they got no teeth in their mouth. I don't care if they ain't educated. I don't care if they stumbling and mumbling and bumbling and inebriated. Somebody gotta say, "Come on, right here with me. you belong right here with me." And as a matter of fact, I'm gonna take you out to eat afterwards. And I'm gonna. I don't care if they rich and educated and got doctoral degrees or two masters. It makes me no difference. Come sit with me. I don't care what color they are, what ethnicity they are. I don't care. You know why I don't care? Because he doesn't care. He died for everybody so that they might have his life. So we don't have time to throw shade. We don't have time to be looking at people sideways. But just in case somebody in this place or somebody feels like shame is condemning them and embarrassment is paralyzing them, There's a father who knows the gravitational pull of his goodness is bringing you to him. But there's a point where he looks and says, this is the right moment. This is the moment I've been running, waiting for. I've been waiting. And you know what the father does? He does something that no noble man, you study this out. You study this out. No noble man would ever run. It was humiliating and it would be less than dignified because they would expose their ankles. And yes, I know my ankles are exposed. <laughs> it's too late. It's too late. But you know what? Check this out. You ever seen, you ever seen an elder run? Now, you know, young, I'm still in my forties, praise God. So I, And I love to run. I run every day. So I, I'd like to think, now, I might not look graceful. Y'all just encourage me. But if I'm running, I'm like this. And I'm like, man, praise God. Man, just God. So, but you seen, you seen an elder run? You can see the look of love. You can see it's beyond. They've got one thing on their mind. This elder's, he's running to his son, and people cannot get over it. They're astonished. He runs to him, and he's like, Come here, come here. And the son rehearsed this. He rehearsed it. He said, I'm not sorry. You're like, Bro, I didn't ask you to touch me. <laughs> Thank you. He didn't really say that. He was like, you're good. You're good. Praise God. I like this guy. So he's a good guy. Amen. And he's smiling too. Man, we're going to be all right. Praise God. Make me feel at home. That's what we need. Thank you, Jesus. So you know what? This guy rehearsed this. This son was like, I'm going to tell him. I'm going to tell him what I said. I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. And I'm no longer worthy. To be called your son. He he rehearsed it. He's ready. He's ready. And you know what the son does? He gets started. Father, I've I've sinned against you. You know, when the goodness of God, when you come in contact with it, the first thing you acknowledge, I've sinned. I'm sorry. But watch this. Remember, he rehearsed it. He said, "I'm I'm, I'm not worthy to be your son. He never gets to that. The Father never lets him utter the words because he never lost his value in the eyes of the Father. There is no sin that you could have have committed. There's no mistake you would have done. There's nothing that you could have done that is greater than Calvary. I want you to know that nothing can separate you from the love of God. There's no mistake that can diminish your value. He loves you. You, you, you. Somebody thank him for his love. Thank him for his love. Thank him for his love. Through your mistakes, through the ups and downs, through the backsliding, through the walking away, through going to say, I never do that and doing it. He loves you. Somebody give him praise. I feel the presence of the Lord in this place. Come on, I said, just worship him for a moment. Thank him for his love. We're about to wrap this up. I know I've been long. I'm really sorry. We're about to wrap this up. Come on and just thank him for his love for a moment. He's reaching for you. He's calling for you. His love. I can see it on your faces. The love of God is reaching for you. Some of you have been suffocating silently, and the love of God is reaching for you. Some of you have been wondering could it be true? I know I'm here, but I've been professional. Can it be that He loves me right where I am? See, watch this. Jesus, when He was baptized, Spirit. The heavens open, the spirit of the Lord descends like a dove. The spirit of the Lord speaks and says, "This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased." He never, Pastor Jack, opened a deaf eye, opened a blinded eye, opened a deaf ear. Hadn't raised anybody from the dead. He had not done one thing. But yet, the Father was pleased. He's pleased because he's Son. He's pleased because you're his. See, you can't perform your way in or out of his love for you. So watch this. The Bible says if you read it and look it up in the Greek, he's kissing him and he's kissing him persistently. He's kissing away the shame. He's kissing away the heartache. He's kissing away the embarrassment and the disappointment. He's kissing away the frustration. And he does something crazy, Elder Phillips. You know what he does? He looks at the the people and says, go get my best robe. He probably has no, no top on. And the people are like, wait a second, you mean you want the, the robe that we heard about? The best one that we, we've only heard about, we've not seen it? I thought the, the one that when that special occasion was, you were going to wear that one? You want us to go get that robe? He said, yeah, go get that robe. And he covers him. do you feel that now? He's covering you. <laughs> Come on, he's covering you. He's covering you, single mom. He's covering you, wounded dad. He's covering you, young person. He's covering you, young adult. Come on, that's it. Come on, he's covering you right now. Come on, let his love cover you in this place. He's covering you. He's covering you. And this is musicians. I want our musicians to come. I feel this, but I want to just give you a couple more things here. He covers him. He is unrecognizable to his past. The moment he covers you. The moment he covers you, came in looking one way, but one interaction with the Father. Yeah. People looking at him, and you know what they saw? Royalty. They saw royalty. They saw regalness. They saw and then check this out. This is crazy. We can all stand. Oh, I wish I had time. I want to tell you a few more things. He, he does something else. He says, I want you to go get my ring. Put this ring on, on my son. And put sandals on his feet because only, only slaves didn't have shoes. He says, so put shoes on his feet. Do you know the moment he put that ring on his finger, the moment he was covered, the moment he put shoes on his feet, he was able to do business on behalf of the Father. No probation. Yeah. Yeah. Able to go out and conduct bi- Show up. How are you going to pay for it? Boom. How you? The moment you are covered, the moment he restores you, you can lay hands on the sick and watch them be healed. The moment he restores you, you can go to your neighbor. And say, hey, hey, you know why I'm taking out all this trash, and all the liquor bottles, and because he restored me. You can tell him what he's co- how he's covered you. They'll look and say, you look different. I know I've been changed. Let me tell you about a God who loves you just as much as he loves me. I'll, I'll close with this, because this is the man of this house. This father is such a good, good father that the way that he loves us is beyond our comprehension. One of the things, really the thing that broke me in every way is when my high school sweetheart, she and I, uh, we found out that she was pregnant and we didn't have to. In the state of Virginia, we didn't have to have a conversation with anybody, an adult or anything. We chose to terminate that pregnancy. And uh, in our recklessness and in our being immature and juvenile, we actually thought we would go to the movies after we visited the abortion clinic. And I can remember looking in the clinic. I thought I was being a good boyfriend. I'm there in the clinic. I was the only man there. I won't say man, but male. I'm looking and I'm looking at these women. Some of them are scared out of their mind. Snot running out their nose, tears streaming down their faces. Other look like they've been there many times. And they called my girlfriend back, and I didn't go back there. I wasn't permitted to. And she gets out and she just looked like she had been completely devastated. The silence was so palpable. You could cut it with a dull blade and I remember driving and our exit off the highway where we lived was close to the same as the movie theater and I thought we'd been driving for about 30 minutes I better say something and I said do you still want to go to the movies and I'll never forget her looking at me and saying do you think I want to go to the movies after what I've just been through it wrecked us it wrecked us emotionally she dropped out of high school. I dropped out of high school with three months left before I was to graduate and headed off to the University of Virginia. I just dropped out. She dropped out. And I began to have this recurring nightmare. I'd be at a baseball game. Baseball was really big in the States. Not as big now, but it's still a prominent sport. And we'd be at this baseball game. My son and I, he'd be sitting on my, my knee. And when you're in the seventh inning stretch in the States, we'd sing the song, take me out to the ball game, take me out to the, and we're having the biggest fun. And my unborn son would look at me and he would say, dad, why did you kill me? And I would say, son, I'm so sorry. And I would try to clutch him, hold him tight and apologize. And I'd have this recurring nightmare over and over and over. And it was that. Then I realized, I have tried everything you can possibly think of. I might as well give Jesus a try. I go to a church, about 30 people. It was blazing hot. And I thought, the moment this dude gets done yelling, I'm leaving. And instead of leaving, I walk up to the front. Nobody told me anything about Pentecostalism. I didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. I didn't know about repentance, but I walk up to the front and the first words that came out of my mouth, I'm sorry. I began to cry. And I felt something I'd never felt before. It's this love and joy and peace. That's what I thought to myself. I was like, this love and joy and peace feels so good. I got down on one knee and got down on another knee and the Lord just spoke to me. I had never heard his voice before. Again, nobody gave me a Bible study or anything. He said, "Akeel, I will never forget this as long as I live." That's how I know his voice. He said, "Akeel, all you have to do is let me in." And I said to myself, "How can I say no?" I lifted my hands on my knees, and I begin to say things like, "Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Lord." And what I felt on the outside began to fill me up. And as it was filling me up, I felt my face and my language began to change. And I was like, this is the most amazing thing. What is happening right now? And as it was just flowing, I thought, I, I don't know how long. It felt like maybe 45 minutes to an hour. The pastor must have asked my friend my name and he he said, Akil, he's like, man, you're receiving the Holy Spirit. He explained what was happening. I just began to worship the Lord, and I'll never forget. I opened up my eyes, and I looked outside because we had glass doors. We were in a school, and the sky looked bluer. I never felt the power coursing through my body like I felt. I remember walking, I mean, going home, my mom we walked in the house. My friend and she could feel it because I gave my family hell. I'm just being honest with you. I walked in the house. She said, what happened to you? I couldn't even say it. My friend was like, he received the Holy Spirit. I, was, I, was just like, I walked downstairs and my, my, my siblings were like, before I said anything, they were like, what happened to you? I'm not making this up. And I was like. I didn't, this time I knew what to say. All I could say was, I received the Holy Spirit. That's all I said. And they were like, Can we have that too? I was like, I just looked at my friend. I was like, Can they? <laughs> I didn't know. I, I thought the Lord just knew I needed this. He was like, Yeah, yeah, y'all come to church. They all came to church with me two weeks later and we were all baptized and they received the Holy Spirit too. Later, my mom did. My mom went to Bible college. God is moving in her life. You know what? I went back to high school, went on to college. But I never told my wife this. When, when I met her, she was my best friend. I said, Lord, I don't, uh, I don't deserve kids. Because I took life. But I said, I don't want you to hold this to Sarah. And if you would be gracious enough to let us have kids, I'll do my very best to make sure they honor you and they're loved and valued. And God has been so good, He's given us two amazing kids. What am I trying to get you to understand? That's the man of this house. That's the man of this spiritual family. That's the man that's reaching for everybody in this place today. Right now, I feel like, and I'm I'm wrapping up, but I felt like the Lord told me specifically, there are people here who I called a long time ago. And they think that their mistakes and their bad habits have disqualified them from my call. I feel like the Lord told me it's time to wipe the dust off that calling. He's here to restore you. And when he restores you, he restores your calling. He restores your purpose. As a matter of fact, he's just waiting for you to come into alignment with what he says about you. I've got news for you. The gifts are not yours. They're his. The calling is not yours. It's his. And if he's placed it on your life, who are you to say what you are or are not worthy of? Just come and say, God, I receive what you say about me. Right now the spirit of the Lord is reaching for everybody there are people here who have struggled there are people who have perhaps never even received the baptism of the Holy Spirit before but the spirit of the Lord is calling there are people here that have stories similar to mine or you've covered up things that people don't know about and it's haunted you for so long God is here and here's what he's doing Pastor Jack he's running he's running do you feel that Does anybody want to come and take a step to the altar and run to a loving God? This altar is open. Come on, that's it. Come on, all it takes is one person. Come on, that's it. And then others begin to come. That's beautiful. Come on, that's it. Come on, I'm thankful. Why don't you just begin to lift your hands and begin to worship. And we're going to begin to sing and our ministry team is going to begin to pray and we're going to begin to pray with you and God's going to begin to move. Come on, that's it come on there's plenty of room you can come on come closer that's beautiful come closer so others can come hallelujah come on and squeeze in as close to the stage as you can as people are making their way that's beautiful come on that's it that's the spirit of the lord that's the spirit of the lord that's the love of god that's the love of god that's who he is that's who he is come on he is a good good father I've heard a thousand stories of what they think yeah. your life. Come on, but up.